0: Welcome to this podcast being brought to you by Richard Urshik and TechTutorUSA.com. We hope you will consider us as your personal resource for seniors teaching seniors about and how to use today's miracle technology, including the iPhone, iPad, the Apple Watch, and Zoom for video chatting with family and friends. Now let's welcome the founder of TechTutorUSA.com and your host, Richard Urshik.
1: Well, thank you for another great introduction. Hi, everybody. Welcome again to my podcast, especially you baby boomers and seniors who want to learn more about and how to use your electronic devices, including your iPhones, iPads, Apple Watches, and Zoom for video chatting with your family and friends. I am your tech tutor, Richard Erschick, and this is episode five of what I hope to be many more episodes as we develop an online relationship with our listeners who get bolder, not just older. And speaking of online relationships, I'm going to be giving you my text number that I'd like you to use for any specific questions or to send me your email address. So as we move forward, I can invite you to my Zoom online training sessions. Now, I know that many of you might not know how to text yet, but for those that do, My text number is 630-642-6500. That's 630-642-6500. And for those of you that do know how to text, why don't you send a text to that number right now and let me know you're listening out there so I don't feel like I'm talking to myself like we so often do, right? Before I continue with this special edition of my podcast, I'd like to introduce you to our sponsor, Halo Genealogy Services. Have you ever thought about tracing your roots, discovering your family ancestry, or knowing exactly where you came from? Well, now you can from our podcast sponsor because, you know, people yearn to have a sense of belonging and knowing that they're part of something greater than themselves. Tamara Halo is the founder of Halo Genealogy Services. She's a professional genealogist and she provides full service genealogy research that is unique. Why is it unique? Because she can do all the work for you, or, by means of her online training classes, she can teach you how you can do it all for yourself, very affordably. Now might be a good time for you to trace your ancestry and leave your findings to someone in your family. Tamara is in the process of tracing my ancestry right now, and with a last name like mine, I can't wait to see what she comes up with. Check out her website at www.halogenealogyservices.com. And remember, that's HALO, H-A-L-L-O. You can send her an email at info at com, or you can phone or text her for more information at 786-842-7720. Okay, let's get back to where we left off in this special edition podcast. Why is it a special edition? Well, it's Thanksgiving Day, and If you could smell what this office smells like right now with a turkey cooking in the oven, it's just incredible. Anyway, we'd like to wish you and your family a very happy, safe, and healthy Thanksgiving Day as we move forward in these crazy times. Now, last episode, I mentioned that I had purchased an iPhone 12 Pro. And I also admitted that I returned it because I really didn't like it. It was a smaller size phone than I'm used to. So on November 6th, when it was possible to order, I reordered the iPhone 12 Pro Max, which was the same size as my previous 11 Pro Max. And I have that phone in my hand right now because I received it on November 18th, and I've since put my 11 Pro Max on eBay. Now, if I could, I'd like to tell you just a little bit about the iPhone 12 Pro Max. I mentioned in the last episode that it has 5G, which I really don't understand other than the fact that this phone seems noticeably faster. What I really like the most about this phone is the form factor because they changed the form to a more square design. And it's so much easier to use now. It just seems to stick in your hands better. As we get older, and I mentioned I'm in your age group, it became harder to hold those rounded-edged phones. And this one is so much easier to hold. And another thing I really like about it is there is an apparent better screen quality. The pictures are brighter the screen quality overall is brighter, and I, and I really just like this. I'm really trying to talk Lori. Remember Lori, our technologist, I'm trying to talk her into getting one, too. Lori, have you looked at this thing yet? Is there anything you've heard about them?
2: I'm waiting to see how well you like it and then how many times I steal your phone from you, and then I'll decide <laughs> whether I'm buying one. <laughs> I hear that there's a better charging system on the new iPhone.
1: Oh, thanks for reminding me. Yes, they have something called MagSafe, and I guess that's short for magnetic safe. But if anyone listening has an Apple Watch, you know that the charging device is a round magnet that you attach to the back of your watch. Well, the iPhone 12 series also has that same concept, and it's built right into the back of the phone, so you can purchase, naturally, they want you to buy this, the MagSafe MagSafe cord and extension and it's a round device similar to the apple watch that basically just magnetizes itself to the back of the watch and it's neat if you use it it also works through their iphone case the rubber silicon cases so it's pretty cool if you like wireless charging i'm really not too fond of it but if you do this is a great concept and it's a great way to charge your your new phone All right. Well, in the last episode, I mentioned that we were going to have a guest this episode. Now, I can promise you that in our next episode, which will be episode six, we're going to have Tamara from Halo Genealogy Services. But today we have a guest interview on the specific area and subject of iPhone security. And I'd like to play that interview for you right now. All right, our guest today is an expert in the area of iPhone and smartphone usage and security. His name is Chris Sosnowski, and his company's name is Waterly. Before Waterly, tell our listeners a little bit about you and the origin of your company, Chris. Great, thanks for having me, Rich. So, um, yeah, I've been
3: in the IT field Um in some capacity for a little over 20 years, and um, I've run a couple of consulting companies that largely helped government entities to solve technology problems, but advising on everything from cybersecurity to training to individual use for people and, and departments and that.
1: Awesome. Well, you know, we have an audience made up of baby boomers and seniors in your opinion, because security is a is a serious concern for people using these iPhones today. In your opinion, what's the biggest security threat to iPhone users? Well, you know,
3: unfortunately, it's it's often user error, and uh, <laughs> and unfortunately, it's a lot of times just uh, you know trusting when you shouldn't. And um, I think you know the other big risk is out there. Everyone's looking to make a buck. You know, and um, there are a lot of good people that are looking to do that in an honest way. But unfortunately, there are a lot of bad actors out there that are looking to uh, not do that well. So just um, being careful where you click on is probably the practical um, biggest risk, because when you go to a website and then you're asked to enter in personal information or credit card or financial information, it's, it's hard to know who you should trust and when you should trust it. And you want to be responsible. So it's probably yeah. tough.
1: Yeah, it seems like the target is more and more directed at seniors today. Is there anything in particular for seniors, anything seniors in particular should be looking for regarding well, security?
3: I'll, I'll pay a compliment to the generation. It's a trusting generation. And um, I think a lot of people in that generation are not used to being more skeptical um, and they're more susceptible to fear. You know, many of them either live alone or they don't have, um, you know, someone nearby that they can ask um, whether they should trust something. So I think it kind of requires an extra level of vigilance when it comes to thinking twice before clicking on something. We say click, but on the phone, it's actually a tap. And just um, being careful to run these things through the lens of, you know, does this seem does this seem right? So. Um, Yeah, I think that it's a good trusting generation, but in the realm of the cyber sphere, if you will, there's a lot of things that probably don't deserve our trust until they've earned our trust. And so um, that's hard to discern.
1: Yeah, that's really well put. Uh, what What can seniors do to make sure that they're not taken advantage of by these scam callers today, which are, they're just increasing. It's incredible how many of these calls we get in a day. Is there anything seniors can do to make sure they're not taken advantage of by them?
3: Yeah. I think there's a few good axioms in the industry and a few of them are nobody should ever ask you for your bank account over the phone. I think another one is nobody should ever ask you for your password. Even if they say they're from a bank or they have, even if they have some personal information on you, like your address or maybe where you attend a club or something like that. Um, uh, giving out personal information over the phone is uh, rarely a good idea. Um, you know, I think that we get some validation nowadays with a lot of these apps on the phones where they'll show you sometimes a photo or a picture that you've picked for that account or that bank and getting that feedback before you go ahead and sign in is always some good assurance that you're on a trusted site. I think um, probably another good recommendation is You know, I know a lot of people don't know what HTTPS is or what a secure website really is and what goes into that, but it's nowadays pretty easy on your iPhone to look in the top of the browser of Safari or if you're using Chrome or Edge or one of these other um, browsers on a smartphone, you can look to make sure that the site that you're on is secured. That doesn't guarantee that it's okay on that site because you can secure a bad site, but if the site says Chase, and there is a lock that says chase when you tap on it, you can be more certain that that's, for example, like a bank account. So um, being careful what you click on. And I guess another good axiom is like, if it's too good to be true, it's it's probably too good to be true. <laughs> like, you know, use your intuition. If somebody came up yeah, I, on the street and just said like, hey, you know, can you give me 10 bucks to help you with a security problem you're having? You'd say, no way, go away. But on the phone, they can present it in a way that's just a little more conniving. So be careful of that.
1: Yeah, thanks. Those are good tips. You know, I mentioned that our listeners are seniors. Well, I happen to be senior, too, and I developed the habit of just not clicking on anything I'm not sure of or anything that looks suspicious is suspicious, and I just won't click on it. If someone wants to contact me bad enough, they'll call me or do it by stale mail. What are...
3: Oh, I Go got a, just a quick follow-up thought on that. You know, I'll, a lot of times, uh, you know, I'll get a, a junk email that'll say, this is your bank. We require that you verify your information. Please click here to verify. And, and sometimes those emails are very convincing, especially when it's like my bank, right? So one of the things that you can do is if you have an app on your phone for your bank, almost all of financial institutions and medical uh, groups and that have their own apps, and once you've installed that and logged that in and trust that don't click on the link in the email i think that's great advice but if you're worried that the email is legitimate like your account balance is low or somebody maybe you just maybe you think uh, somebody did get in your email and or your account and drain the bank go back into the app that you trust and then look for the area in there where they say like secure messages you'll always see it in there don't trust the email link. I think that's great advice.
1: Yeah, really, really good point, Chris. Thanks. What are some of the scam calls you've heard of? You know, we've we've heard of the one where a grandchild calls for money and the caller isn't even related to the person they're calling. Have you heard of any of those types of calls? Yeah, well, I think the easiest ones that we all
3: get are these robo calls, right? And that's where you're being dialed by some sort of computer computerized voice that claims that they're from the Social Security uh, Service or the FBI or local authorities. I think in general, you can be pretty skeptical of all of those. But um, I'll tell a quick story. A few years back, I got a phone call from a real person and um, they said, I have your brother here. He's hurt. And I said, oh, my gosh, where are you? And immediately, you know, your heart goes out um, because I have a brother and I, uh, I care for him. And and I, you know, and, and he, he then he said to me, he said, I couldn't quite make out like his name. It was something like, uh, and he started to kind of mumble. And I said, did he say Justin? He said, yeah, that was it. And I didn't realize it, but I had already been duped into saying like my brother's name. And then he kept me on. He said, he said, he, man, he's really hurt. You know, he says that he doesn't have any money that he's afraid that he's not going to, and the caller went on to try to convince me. And I will tell you, I, I'm a pretty resilient guy. I've heard a lot of things, but that was a hard, hard phone call. And what I just had to do is I just had to trust my gut and say that this is somebody that's trying to scam me. Cause soon as they said, cause I asked them, what's your name? where are you? And he started to give me elusive answers and that. But he said, like, you can, you, he started to say, like, you can find a way to get me the money and I'll make sure your brother's okay. And I, you know, my 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 thought goes back to the good Samaritan. Is this guy really a good Samaritan that's really trying to save my brother? But that was a legitimate phone call. And I just had to hang up. And of course, call my brother. <laughs> like, And I just made sure. And I said, Justin, are, are you okay? He's like, yeah, I'm fine. Why? And I said, oh my goodness, I almost got taken. So yeah, there's some pretty scary calls out there. And, you know, when you're in doubt and if you think if it's somebody in need, hang up and then call that person back. And it's hard to think in the, the thick of it that you can do that, but that's a it's an easy tip to say if you're worried with one of these scam calls, again, hang up, either call your bank, call your family member, call the institution that, you're, that, that claims to be calling you.
1: Wow, great story. And I get a phone call the same time every day between five and six o'clock from a company that wants to clean our air ducts and it doesn't matter whether I answer it. If I don't answer it, if I send it right to voicemail, I get that exact same call every day. So these computer systems are set to dial telephones. And when you're in that list, it's just never ending. Are there any overall best practices that seniors can use in the area of their iPhone security
3: well, I mentioned before, you know, keep in mind if it's too good to be true, it probably is true. But, um, you know, unfortunately we live in a world that, you know, if you leave your phone on the counter at a store or something like that, it could easily be picked up. So I'm a big fan of turning on that, you know, that pin or that password or use the thumb scanner, or the face scanner. Um, it's really hard these days with masks to make the face scanner work, but turn on that basic front line of defense for your, your phone. Um, I think one of the other things I help my own folks uh, uh, to do is I suggested that they download a password management app. Mm-hmm. It is getting so hard to mm-hmm. keep track of all of these different passwords. And we typically fall back on something that's easy to remember And so we'll um, use the same password over and over again. That makes you more susceptible to risk too. So, you know, and I tell people there's really nothing wrong with writing down the passwords that you use on a piece of paper and keeping it in your home. I wouldn't pin it to your computer or pin it up on your window, but um, there's nothing wrong with writing down the passwords that you use for these websites and store it in a secure spot where you and whoever else needs to get to it. In fact, um, someday when you need that for medical information, um, that might be handy to know where those accounts are too. So, if you're overwhelmed by the apps and you don't want another yet another app, um, you can always write down passwords. But keeping that front line of security there is a good simple tip.
1: Wow, that's that's just a magnificent tip, and thanks for that, Chris. I'm going to make a note and. Uh, For our listeners out there today, after this interview in this next episode that we're putting together, I'm going to list some recommended password management apps that you can use to do what Chris just mentioned. Uh, Chris, uh, do you have any final comments for our listeners as they increase their efficiency levels using these devices? Any last comments?
3: Well, I think I can identify, um, because I'm the tech, technical guy in the family, um, my, both my, uh, folks and my uncles and aunts and cousins, a lot of times turned to me and asked me that same question too. And, you know, technology is a scary place in, in and of itself. It's not evil. It's not bad. So I guess the, the word of advice is push through, keep learning, ask questions. Don't be afraid to ask. I mean, you know, uh, I'm lucky enough to have teenagers that can help me out when I need it too, but a lot of times that younger generation is a great help. Use it as an excuse to reach out to a niece or a nephew or a grandchild and just say, can you help me understand this? And that's a nice way to get some advice. So don't don't be shy, reach out, ask questions. And then, uh, of course, just just be aware of what you're doing because you can really complicate your life by being click happy and and tapping on lots of things. Um, So just be wary of
1: if it's too good to be true, it probably isn't true. (laughs) Well, great, Chris. Thanks so much for your time today. We really appreciate your expertise and helping our listeners in the area of iPhone security. Thanks again.
3: You bet. Happy
1: tapping. All right. Thanks, Chris. God, it's great to hear from subject matter experts. Now let's get back to the live podcast. Chris mentioned something that I admittedly don't use, but I suggest you do because I'm going to start using them too. It's difficult to keep track of all of your passwords. I try to use the same password on everything, and I know that's not the best thing to do with these iPhones, but what Chris recommended are password management apps and I've been able to find three of them and you can write these down because it's a place where you can keep all of your passwords and Chris even mentioned keeping them on a piece of paper which I often do or I keep them in my notes on the iPhone that's behind the notes app so I know where they're all at at least but here are the three password management apps Chris mentioned. One is called KeyPass that's K-E-Y like a key Pass, P-A-S-S dot com. Give you a second to write that down. Another word is the number one and then password all together. One password.com. And there's a third one called dash line, dash, D-A-S-H line, dash line dot com it would be a great place to keep track of all of your passwords. Lori, what do you do with yours? Do you have an app that you use, or do you just write them down somewhere, or do you try to remember them, or what do you do with your passwords?
2: I use a product that's called Evernote, which is very similar to Word, but it synchronizes across all of my devices, my iPhone, my iPad, my PC, and my Mac. But really, Rich, to keep your passwords on a simple document like that or on your notepad on your computer is really not keeping them secure whatsoever. If someone were to ever be able to hack into your computer, unbeknownst to you, they would have immediate access to all your passwords because those passwords aren't secured. So I need to do a better job, too.
1: Well, great. Thanks for that. I didn't even know you were using that, but see what we all learn on these podcasts. Listen, if anybody has any questions, remember 630-642-6500. You're welcome to text those into us and we'll answer them just as soon as we can or as soon as we get your text. I wanted to mention something useful to our listeners today. Now, you know, most of our listeners, and it's showing up in our research, are over 60 years old. And you know, We've got a lot of intellectual property, and many of us like to share that property. And I want to mention something to you. I'm not involved with this group monetarily in any means whatsoever, but all of my life I've been a teacher and a trainer in the trade show industry, and there is a group called Toastmasters. I don't know if you've ever heard of that. Toastmasters.org. And I'm not suggesting that our listeners join that because there's a lot you can learn, but... Conversely, there's a lot you can share. I've been a Toastmaster for about 10 years. And frankly, while most of our members are looking out the windshield at their career, I'm kind of looking in my rearview mirror at where I've been. And I get a chance in Toastmasters to share some of my experiences with people that are coming up in the ranks of public speaking and leadership training. And it's a great place to share. It's great involvement. Everybody meets via Zoom. And we're meeting with people and Toastmasters clubs in India. So we're actually going international with this. And again, if it's something you'd be interested in, you can look up Toastmasters.org. You can read their website, join a club near you. And I just suggest it's fun. Laurie and I have been members for about 10 years. You still like it, don't you, Laurie?
2: Yeah, it's been especially interesting now that we're online because not only you get to practice your speaking and you learn how to not use ums and ahs and so's and all those kinds of things but you now you're also getting more comfortable with being on screen and that's really important even if you're just using it to communicate with your family or friends
1: cool thanks i know we have a lot of fun doing it we meet every tuesday morning and in fact if anybody wants uh, an invitation to our Toastmasters Club, send us a text six three zero six four two six five hundred. Just tell us you'd like to join our Toastmasters meeting. We'll send you a link. You can click on it and come in and join our meeting. We'd love to get to know you outside of this podcast. All right, another thing. And in fact, Lori asked me this question in the last episode. She asked me what my favorite apps were, and she kind of caught me off guard. But I've given it some thought, and I want to tell everybody out there today about a map, Maps app, M A P S. Now, most of the listeners, and me included, are used to using paper maps as we travel all over the country. Well, on your phone, on your iPhone, on the home screen, you have an app that's called Maps, M-A-P-S, and it looks like a map. If you click on that map, I want to demonstrate something it does for you. I'll give you a chance to pick up your phone and get to your home screen and find the Maps app and just click on it. Let me show you how powerful this thing is and why I use it and Lori uses it for every place we go. If you touch the Maps app, you see a screen that opens up that looks like a map and in the center of it, there's a little blue dot and it has like, well I I should call it a headlight on it that points in the direction you're pointing. Well, you also see a gray box that says search for a place or address. I'd like you to just touch that gray area and type in the word McDonald's, like the McDonald's restaurant. Just type McDonald's in that little box and press search. And it shows you all of the McDonald's restaurants that are in your area that you can just pick from. And what I'd like you to do is just select any one of them by touching it. I'm going to do the same thing here. And now you see a little blue box that opens up that says it's a seven-minute drive for me. The closest McDonald's is a seven-minute drive. And if I click on that box, you'll see a map that shows up on the screen that shows you exactly how to get there. And if you touch the word go, which I'm going to, and you're probably going to hear my phone talk to me.
3: Starting route to McDonald's.
1: It actually South tells north you. Terrace. It, it It gives you directions on how to get to the destination you choose. And that doesn't have to be a local McDonald's. That can be anything, anywhere in the country. If you wanted to get to the Empire State Building, you would simply type in its address and it would take you right to it. So that's one of the most powerful apps I've ever seen. Lori, what? I use it to
2: do generic searches. When we were on vacation recently, I just put in under maps, Farmers Markets. So you don't have to always put a specific business name. The Maps app has gotten smart enough to search by generic type of business. So you could put in gas station, farmer's market, hospital. You could put any kind of generic word in there.
1: Awesome. Yeah, there's a lot of uses for it. And as I said before, there's nothing you can do to break these phones. Just go in and play with all of these things. Just touch these apps. And if you get hung up or lost or nervous or you get scared that you broke something, you didn't. Just press your home button, get back to where you were, and start over. The other thing I want to leave you with before we close is the Contacts app. Now, behind your phone app, you can look on your phone right now, and you've got a app that's called Phone. It's It looks green. It's probably down on the bottom of your screen. It looks like a telephone. If you touch that telephone, you see a screen that opens up, and down on the bottom of that screen in the middle is a little icon for contacts. If you touch that contact, an area opens up in which you can add people's basically information about them, their email addresses, their password. I'm sorry, not their passwords, their text numbers, their phone numbers. But I'm going to suggest that after this podcast, you go into the contacts area and at least enter your Information for yourself personally. It'll be your first name, last name, address, city, state, zip, company name, your email address, your phone number, any other information you want to put in there, and then save it, and then go in and search for your name. And the point I'm trying to make, and the thing I'd like you to experience, is that you could have a 100 or a 1,000 or 5,000 names in there, and that's basically your contact or address book that you can carry around with you. If you have any questions about anything we just talked about, remember 630-642-6500. Send us a text and we'll answer it right away as soon as we get it. And the last thing is something that I'm going to try to do a guest speaker about, and that's this new Alexa. You've heard of these Alexa devices that you can talk to, and it's like having a personal assistant. Well, you have something very similar on your iPhone, and it's called Siri And I'd like to demonstrate Siri for you right now on my phone. I'm going to ask Siri a question and let you hear how she answers while I say she because it's a female voice. But it's actually your phone and a huge database that's answering these questions. But let me demonstrate it for you. Siri, what's the temperature?
2: It's currently 81 degrees.
1: So you see, simply by touching your home button or talking directly to your phone, you can simply say, hey, Siri, and Siri will open up for you, and you can ask it questions just like I just did. Let me ask another one. What was the score of the Bear game?
3: The Bears just barely lost to the Vikings on November sixteenth, two 2020. The final score was 19 to 13.
1: So there's all kinds of information you can get from Siri. Laurie, what were you going to say? Yeah, I had a
2: question, Rich. Do you, you don't have to say, hey, Siri, or you can say, Siri, or
1: just lift your phone? What What is the option, sir? Okay, the real protocol is you can just leave your phone laying on a table or a desk, and you can talk to it by saying, hey, Siri, and Siri will open up automatically. If you press the button on the side of the phone, which is your home button or your home button on your home screen, you can simply talk directly to it. Now, I've gotten in the habit of talking to my watch when I'm riding my bike, and I don't want to touch anything, so I can just raise my watch up to my mouth and say, hey, Siri, and it automatically opens up, and then I just ask it the question. So that's really the protocol. There's two ways to get at it. You can either do it mechanically using the buttons and just talking to it, or you can say, hey, Siri, and it'll wake up on its own. All right, well... I think we're going to have a guest speaker in episode six, Tamara, I think is going to join us and talk about the genealogy services, guest seven, I think we're going to, or in episode seven, I think we're going to have another guest that's going to talk to us about installing the Alexa devices. And until that time.
0: Thank you for listening to this podcast from techtutorusa.com. It was brought to you by our sponsors who we highly recommend. We hope that you have had some fun and that we have helped to simplify some of the complicated for you. Please check back often for the latest episode of this podcast. For more information about TechTutorUSA.com, you can reference their website or you can contact Richard directly by email at Richard at or by phone or text at 630-642-6500.